pack of lions led by a dog will fight like dogs, and a pack of dogs led by lions will fight like lions, because great groups of people rise and fall on their leaders. The law of solid ground posits that trust is the bedrock of effective leadership, but how is that trust established and maintained? See, John Maxwell talks about competency and character when building and maintaining trust. Competency entails being able to fulfill your responsibilities well, be good at the thing you're in charge of doing, and work at becoming world-class in it. Character includes being a person of integrity and having ethics. And one thing I love about John's video on the law of solid ground is that ethics go into every area of life. You're honest or you're not. You're patient or you're not. You're reliable or you're not. By having interactions with people where you can use your competence or character to serve them, you create relational equity that grows your influence. See, that trust is what allows great communities to go far whether it be a friend group, a business, or a family. So send this to somebody who wants to improve their relationships. So let's take a little bit of a deeper dive into the law of solid ground. We've talked about two things when you're kind of building and maintaining that trust. A, it's the foundation of leadership, right? So if people don't trust you, they can't follow you. I think it's because leadership is your ability to influence people. And in Young Life, I was leading Young Life back in college. We always said you had to earn the right to be heard. I think it was talking about this principle. We would go into the high schools and we would meet random high school kids. And our goal was to build a relationship with them and share the gospel with them, loving them like Christ loves them. And that's a difficult thing to do because high school can be a particularly difficult time for people. Obviously, they're kids, so there are rules about when you can go to the school, when you can't with all the stuff that's going on with schools in the U.S. nowadays. And so it was just, it wasn't the easiest thing. We would use referrals from other kids to bring them to campaigners, bring them to club, but that would tend to bring in the same types of kids, right? And so when we'd go to lunch, when we would eat with kids, sometimes we would see a kid eating alone, and it is not fun to eat lunch alone for everybody. Some people like it, for sure, but not for everybody. So you'd go up to that kid, and you would start a conversation. And in that conversation, there would be no trust. In fact, you would probably start with negative trust. Because you're like, why is this person walking up to me? They're probably a little suspicious. And so that is a key example of like, you are now in a position where you need to earn the right to be heard. And there's no position of authority. There's no just kind of baseline demographic. Like I'm older than you. I have more authority than you. I've done more than you, like none of that really matters because what people care about is themselves. And if you haven't taken the time to make somebody feel safe yet, feel like they can trust you, feel like you're on their side, there's no way you can influence them. And so I just wanted to jump into that story of young life because it shows how when you enter a relationship, you might even be negative relational equity, negative change in your pocket. You might owe them money if you truly want a relationship with them. Right now, of course, if you don't, you can just not really talk to them and then you won't be able to influence them. But when you're really talking about leading people, serving people, loving people, um, you have to take the time to know how to build these things. And so what I really like to talk about is operationalizing character and operationalizing competence. Because when we would go up to these kids at the high school, 
we would need to know kind of how to weasel our way into their world. And that doesn't sound like a great phrase, weasel your way into their world, but it's like, this moment isn't about me. This moment is about them and their world. No matter what I think, no matter who I am, that is not relevant right now. I'm focused on them and making them feel known, making them feel loved. I don't care if they ever know me or love me because I know that I am known and I am loved, right? And so taking that, you could focus completely on them. I think you need to know what that looks like to focus completely on somebody when you're going into the situation. And that's what operationalizing character looks like. That's what operationalizing competence looks like. And so when I was doing it in young life, operationalizing character really looked like matching it up with a biblical sense of character, like unconditional love. I wasn't trying to judge people. I was trying to accept people because Christ accepts you. In fact, Christ knew what you did and then died for you knowing you did it. So that's not even just accepting you. That's like going to war to bring you back, knowing all the bad stuff you have done and will do, right? So that is some unconditional love if I've ever seen it. So one of the ways for me was no matter what I heard, no matter who they were or if they had crappy clothes, if they stank, if they had a crappy attitude, if their attitude stank, um, it was my job to not judge. That was an operationalization of character for me, not judging. And then what does not judging look like? Well, it looks like not imposing my opinion on their choices, right? And so that's one way of like an action. Did you impose your opinion on their choices or did you not? Did you agree with them or did you not? And comma, if it was something you couldn't agree with, did you not discourage them? It's basically taking how to win friends and influence people and like, don't criticize, don't condemn, and don't complain. Those were some things that I didn't want to show in front of people because I want to be focused on them. I want to operationalize that. I want to appreciate the as aspects of them that they wanted to appreciate. Like, that was like operationalizing kind of character for me. And I know character traits is like being patient. So not judging was a character trait. And then those were some of the ways to not judge. Showing unconditional love was a character trait. And then, you know, not judging is kind of under that. So when I was thinking about the actions I need to do to be the character I need to be, it was like unconditional love, which means not judging, which means not imposing your opinion, listening well. Some of the other things were like, Kind of displaying the love of God. So I need to genuinely be a happy person, genuinely be interested in that person because the fruit of the Spirit is joy and God is interested in them. So I need to mirror God's character as much as possible. And those actions look like the fruit of the Spirit. What does love look like? Joy, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. So that's how I need to act in those moments, right? So that was my operationalization of character. And it, honestly, it's a loose one. It needs to be better. It needs to be more succinct. I need to be able to describe it better. But when I was thinking about it in Young Life, that's what it was. It was really like, let's not judge these kids. Let's unconditionally love these kids. And then let's be authentic with these kids. So not judging, unconditional love, and authenticity. Because I'm a sinner too. And we can connect on the fact 
that we're a sinner. And then after that, we can connect on the fact that we're both loved. Because right now I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm loved. They may not know they're a sinner and they may not know they're loved. But we know we both sin. We can connect on that for sure. And then love, that's a harder jump for a lot of people. But hopefully we can make it together. That's kind of how I thought about it. And then operationalizing competence. That really looked like, so if character looked like mirroring God's behavior, competence looked like knowing God's behavior and then doing it well. So that was like, are you being a good Christian, if you will, which I kind of hate that phrase. But, you know, to me at that time, that meant reading your Bible, being in community, loving people well, that weren't those high schoolers, right? It looked like living the kind of authentic, true life I felt a Christian should at that time, which, you know, whether that was right or wrong, that's what competence looked like to me. It was specifically Devo time, going to church, showing up to all the Young Life kind of group events, and uh, kind of checking the boxes for what a Christian should be doing. I wanted to be a competent Christian, right? I wanted to know what I was talking about, and both in head knowledge and actions displayed, right? I think the thing I was missing was heart knowledge, which, you know, maybe I'm still working on that. But that was my operate operationalization of character and competence back then. And I think it's important that we have a set of actions for what character looks like, what competence looks like. And then with those actions, we're like, hey, did you or did you not do the action? And why? So we can hold people accountable, which brings me to my third point with the law of solid ground. When you're building trust, there's some accountability in there as well. And this is a this is the weird thing. Like John Maxwell says trust, you need to display character, you need to display competence, which I think both of those things are true. But for me, somebody needs to have character, they need to be competent. I need a reason to trust them. Like our lives need to be intertwined in some way. And that's where accountability comes in. Because I've also learned from John Maxwell that accountability is like, you are accountable to somebody. Like, it's not like I have this thing I want to do. Let me go get somebody to be my accountability partner who has nothing to do with the thing at all. And they just hold me accountable to some actions. That's what I thought accountability was. Accountability is more like you have a kid. And you look at that kid, and that's the most beautiful kid ever, and now you are responsible for their life. You are accountable to that child. And you look at that kid, and you're like, I have to go to work for this kid. That's a different level of accountability, because that kid is directly impacted by your actions now. And a lot of us live the first 25, 30, 35 years, 40 years of our life with nobody being really impacted by our actions. At least nobody we see visibly. This is where I start to feel convicted. So I'm like, technically we're accountable to our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ and just on earth, honestly. So for every time I'm not being the best I can be, there is one person out there that is not getting served in the way that I could serve them. And so I am accountable to that person. Now they don't think that, I don't think that, we're not held accountable to that because we don't know each other's potential. We don't hold each other to that standard. But if we did, I think the world could be a different place. So part of the new 1% is holding each other to that standard. So thank you guys for watching. We will see you on the next one. And remember, we are a community of people judged not by our wealth, but by our impact.